I've come to a realization recently. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think I'm a good I'm a good uh, video game streamer. I oh. don't think I, I produce good video game streaming content. Oh, why is this? This is because I was uh, my, my my good friend Taylor Schroll uh, from the Forte Catholic podcast and other Forte Catholic things has begun streaming and playing video games. And we play this game together. It's called uh, Rainbow Six Siege. It's a very strategy based first person shooter game. I like it so much. Uh, and he started streaming, and you can go to Forte Catholic on Twitch and find his stuff. He's really good. He's really entertaining. It's fun. Okay. But me, I don't think I'm very good at this. I'm okay at the game. Sometimes I'm really good. Sometimes I'm not so good. Mm-hmm. But good enough to play. Okay. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I get way too intense about this particular kind of game. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'm just, like, silent. And I'm just playing. Just right. Very silently. Which is not good if someone's, like, listening to like the content that you're being produced, I'm just quiet. Or I get like really, really angry. I get really like gamer angry and sweaty if I start like playing badly. And the other thing is, sometimes I accidentally swear. I swear Uh-oh. a lot when I play video games. Uh-oh. And now it's being streamed, and that is not good. That is not good. So, it's not spe- especially when there's so kids present. My, I've had to like, I, I'm slowly getting better, I'm slowly getting better. Uh, I just uh, say I say fudge a lot with like a very Good. elongated U uh, as I like slide into an okay word to say. But uh, this is I've I, you know I've got some talents I've got some skills I can be somewhat entertaining at times. But I'm just not sure I'm not sure if I'm very good at the video game streaming how, thing. How often do you play with him? Uh, we've been doing it about once a week. Okay. Uh, I mean I play video games with him more often than that usually. Right. He's just started up the stream thing. Gotcha. Uh, but I think last Saturday. Saturday for that, uh, occasionally other times, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. You see, I, I've noticed, like, especially when I've played with, like, I've done games with people, with friends on or whatever, like, we'll FaceTime or, you know, streaming with John or something like that. Mm-hmm. I find it very difficult because we're, we're guys. Right. We can only do one thing at a time. Uh, well, it, it's seemingly, like... John's really good at talking and playing video games at the same time. That's because time. he's married, and so he's learned through osmosis how to do more than just one thing at a time from Maybe his wife. Maybe that's the thing, because Taylor's good at it, too. He's married. He's fine at it. Me, no. Yeah. I just, like, exactly. I have to... I have okay, to let me rephrase that. Because we are celibate men, we can only do one thing at a time. I don't know if I agree. <laughs> I agree with, with, with the fact that I can only do one thing at, at a time. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with the reasoning I that don't. you just offered. I, I, I it, It's a total... 100% conjecture. But yeah, no, I find the same thing. I'm If I've been playing and I'm like, they're like trying to have a conversation, I'm like, I can't talk because A, I'm not very good at video games anyways, and B, um, I'm trying to focus to get this snipe shot off or whatever. And exactly, so, like, exactly. stop talking. Welcome to Fort Day Catholic. No, uh, welcome to Clerically Speaking. That was good. That was for Taylor. <laughs> welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. I'm Father Harrison. So, Father Anthony, I have a question for you. What? Uh, you hurt my feelings this week. Uh, how did I do that? Why do you hate swing dancing so much? Why do I hate swing dancing so much? I hate swing dancing because... You have no rhythm? You can't dance? No, no, no I can dance and I do have uh-huh. rhythm. No, uh-huh. I, I hate swing dancing um, because it is the crossfit of dancing. This is totally listen, not true. Listen, here, no, this is not true. This is not true. This is not even true, though. This is very true in this my experience. Is... In my experience, dictates what truth is. So... Um, <laughs> The thing is, like, if you want to have your swing dancing clubs and do your swing dancing thing, that's fine. When you, when all you little people yeah. get together and do your swing dancing thing, delightful. Go for it. 
But if it's like a regular dance floor at like a wedding or something, yeah. and you start swing dancing, you're a jerk. You and your partner are not good people. Well, okay. Let's rephrase this a little bit. Okay. Or let's... If you're swing dancing to stuff that's not swing music, mm-hmm. then yeah, you're a jerk. But if like a... If... Like Benny Goodman comes on at the wedding dance, mm-hmm. you're not just going to stand in a circle and dance by yourself. You're going to dance with someone because it's a, it's vintage jazz and you swing dance to it. Joe, so you're just going to do your flippy swing no, no, around no, no. thing? No, no, no. So here's okay. Where you're right is that well, okay. Well, first, no, it's not. I mean, well, it's not the CrossFit. I don't know if the I don't know if the analogy quite works. A because I don't really know much about CrossFit. But anyways. Um, <laughs> But what I've seen, because I, so for those who don't know, I used to be really into swing dancing pretty much up until I finished seminary. Um, I took a couple years off before seminary, but then I got back into it when I was in seminary. I'd go dancing two, three nights a week. um, And I would teach, I would compete. Like I did the full, I would travel for competition. Like I I was into it. I loved it. Um, I got frustrated. And this would happen often, even at the social, like, like the social dance nights or whatever is some new person would come with their 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 date that they've gone on two dates with and the guy would get overconfident and start doing flips. Now here's the thing. Okay, like with air, we call them aerials. We don't call them flips. Call them aerials. Okay. You can call what you want. You need to practice those and a lot with someone you trust because if you don't like they're actually really dangerous if you don't do them well, you could really really hurt someone. So my principle is, and like, and then here's the other thing. If other people are dancing, you do not do flips. You don't do aerials. Mm-hmm. So this is the problem is that a lot of people, they go out swing dancing, and they think this is what you're supposed to do. And they just start doing aerials without any practice or anything. And they go on this, and then you're doing your flips or whatever on a social dance floor, like a wedding, you're then getting dangerous for all these people around you, right? See, what bothers me isn't so much the danger. It's just like calling of attention to oneself. No. There's two, there's two kinds of things. Okay, so like if you're going to If you know how to like, dance. So wait, if you, so if a salsa song comes on and you salsa dance to it, are you calling attention to yourself? It depends on the context. It very much depends on the context. Well, that's what I'm saying. No, but if if, is wedding, no one else if, salsa dancing? Is there only two people? Because some then people, you're calling attention to yourself. No, because some people then, just then no, the no, 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 while it has a communal aspect to it, it's also got a, a closer intimate aspect to it in terms of like you're dancing with one person if you're doing partner dance. You're not dancing with the whole group when you're partner dancing. You're dancing with the person you're dancing with. You have to kind sure. of keep... If everyone's partner dancing, that's here's fine. here's the thing. That's if fine. everyone clears the dance floor because they just don't want to dance right then and you do, that's not your fault as a dancer. That's also different though. No, but it's with, not. The thing know. that will happen with people who are like specialized dancers is that they make themselves the center of attention because they're the only two people doing it. That's what bothers me. I don't care if everyone's swing dancing. I don't care if everyone's salsa dancing. If that's the thing that's happening, that's the thing that's happening. But some people just don't know what to do for those signs. And guess what? But here's the thing. I've never, ever, 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 mm-hmm. ever been to a wedding or a social dance or anything where only two people are dancing together at that time. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, people will dance together. That's not That's not my problem. No, no. no you're when saying, you, when you're, but you're doing saying, like your thing. If you're doing your thing, but other people are still dancing. I've I'm, never I'm, seen it. I've never seen it. Well, guess what? I have. Well, so, your experience so is wrong. 
Wait, a few more things. A few more things that bother me since we're talking about dancing, and this is very important. This is very important. Okay. I got very yelly. Because, like, like if you want to be like skillful at dancing, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And if you like, there are times where like everyone just goofing off, and that's fine too. Whatever. Okay. But a few things that bother me. Uh, that one, like, when did this happen? I don't know when this started, but the whole dancing with a drink in your hand drives me crazy. Have you seen this happen? Yeah. At weddings and stuff? Yeah, I mean... Dude, if the, what are you doing? You can't dance with a drink in your hand. It depends. Yeah, you can kind of like you can wiggle, but that's different. Like, it just seems like just do one thing well. Yep. You know, either drink and drink well, and then go and dance. Okay. Like, don't do both. But that has nothing don't to do with both. swing dancing. I'm, I'm still waiting for you to rebuke swing dancing. I already did. No, you didn't. I don't like it. When, when, like, but that has nothing to dancers. do. But that has nothing to do with it being like the cross for the swing dancing. Because they're making you're it, you're they're very you're, this... you're on it. Have you actually gone out to a, a swing dance night? No, why would I? I'm not a nerd. No, it's just because you have no skill for dancing. No, I just like well, all nerdiness is a certain acquired skill. But I'm too busy being cool to go acquire that nerdy skill. Yeah, but cool people have no skills because they don't need skills because they're cool. But they, this is devolving. This is devolving. Uh, <laughs> my anyways, point is, but no, point you is, have you, you've never been out swing dancing, so you can't judge it. Yeah, no, yeah, you can't. I, can. no, I can. judge all kinds of things I've never done before. As part of my job as a priest, Harrison. <laughs> Wait, is it, it's not a sin though. That's different. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it depends, but you know. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 but you, like, you never, you have to, you actually have to go out and try it. Like, I, I mean, it, here's my point. Here's my point. Here's my point. Read the room. Yes, that's all I want. Just read the room. And some people who swing dance are incapable of doing that. My experience, though, is that it's not the people who are actually like, really into it, who they where they go do lessons, they practice it, etc. It tends to be, honestly, more the people who've done it a few times and think they're experts. They tend to be the ones who don't know how to read a room. Because if you're if you're someone who dances a lot, you know how to read a room. Okay. You know you you get it. You understand how mm-hmm. this all works. I, I've said all I need to say. I've said all I need to say. Now it's time to hear what other people say on the internet <laughs> with the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Here's the thing, okay? Just before, just before, okay? Just one second. Okay, just want okay, to know. It's just more. Father Anthony's always the one who gets to yell. Like I wanted to be the. One. It's my turn. It was my turn to yell. That's fine. It was my but turn. Sometimes, to yell. like I mean, I was in a yelling mood when you started yelling. It made me want to yell more. Exactly. I just, you know, it's, it's my turn. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Once in a while, I can be a yeller. Uh, okay. <laughs> Time for tweets. <laughs> Let's do some tweets. <laughs> Let's do some tweets. Okay. All right. Where'd you go? Summa Tweetologica. Ba-ba-bum. I don't know. Did we do this one? Tell me if we did this one. This is from uh, Tea with Token. Um, and she says, oh, wait, this is from Tea with Token. She says, Priest, the peace, the peace of the Lord be with you always. Chat and with your spirit. Deacon, let us press P to offer each other the sign of peace. 
We did not do this one. Okay, good. I'm glad we did. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised this didn't get. That's got me. Got Actually, some I, mean, I didn't even see that one. Yeah, no, no, no. It was a, it was like a week or so ago, or whatever. But um, here's the thing: have you have you seen the the chats in your stream uh, of mass? I see them afterwards because I'm obviously saying mass right. and not paying That's attention what I mean. to the yeah, chat yeah. room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've seen them afterwards, and it's usually pretty nice. There's been no issues. I've been sometimes, surprised. That sometimes people will be like, "And with your, sp- they'll type in, and with your spirit." <laughs> Exactly. I think it's. I think that's adorable. Yes. Um. I've. Uh. I haven't like paid close attention, but a few times I've checked, like after mass and something. It's like, oh, look at people being nice on the internet. Yeah, it's nice. Wow, what a weird thing. It's like they've never been on Twitter or something like that. I know. They're just. They're just watching the mass, trying to pray along, trying to participate, and it's both. It's both this kind of really nice, like people making an extra effort to be present, and something about that's kind of beautiful. But it also makes much more palpable the fact that we're not present, right? Uh, doing stuff like that, you know. Um, so I thought it was just, it's a fascinating, weird, liminal sort of thing as we participate, kind of through streaming, and there's kind of communication. It's kind of responding, but it's kind of also not. And it's right. also very silly, but it's also kind of. Well, I think endearing. again, this is part of the whole thing. Well, first, I love the whole press P for the sign of peace. That's just, yes, excellent. That, that is so. For the, again, for those who don't know, um, internet meme culture. Um, you know, if someone dies, we say we F's in the chat. If someone is, yeah, like if you're playing a video game and you died, F's in the chat, right? Yes. Stuff like this, right? So. Um, that's I just thought that was brilliant, and I never thought mm-hmm. of it before, and it was really hilarious. But here's the other thing, like, and this is, this is something I've been thinking more on the intellectual side about this whole thing. It's when we're watching mass live stream, it's it is a happy substitute, but it's a it's a means. I would call it a we're not. I don't know if we're really part. I don't think we're meant to even really participate with mass on TV or on stream or whatever. I like the way I'm starting to look at it, and I might be wrong. This is where my head's at with it right now. Is that it's streamed masses and lo- and TV masses and stuff are means of communication, and mm-hmm. if you look at it as a means of communication, then that's great, and it might help encourage your own prayer at that time, etc. But it's not you're we're not really part like we and we might be participating in our heart and our prayer, but we're not participating in the same way when we're actually present at the sacrifice. There's something of there is true is there is something about our embodied presence at the sacrifice at the same time again and these are like this is why like in this whole situation i've been thinking more and more we need if we if we hold paradox properly we won't um we won't worry too much because there is a truth that yes it's absolutely every time the mass is offered the whole church is present mm-hmm. but there's also a symbol a real symbolic eff- effectiveness of being present at the mass receiving communion not for my own good, but for building up the communion of the church. And there's something to that too. So there's both these things can be held at the same time. But yeah, like in all of that, I just say streaming mass, it's a means of communication. That, that's my definition of it right now. Cool. That's it? It makes sense for, to me. Okay. You got nothing else on that? That's fine. You just, yeah. okay, fine, fine. Let's go. I'm going to. Now you made it sound like I didn't have enough to contribute to that tweet. <laughs> Why do you have to run under the bus like that? Why can't we just move on? I mean, I'm not gonna say listen, that. Listen, you throwing me under the bus. <laughs> I know why you're doing this because you're still salty about the swing dancing thing. <laughs> listen, anything that makes for good content, 
I'm all for supporting. All right, go ahead. Go re- right. read your tweet. All right, this is from Father Alec. Alex Frank. Um, f- f- love to bother at Father Harrison with concerns about monophysitism while he's trying to make a turkey sandwich. Um, so this literally just happened about an hour ago, and uh, it was really quite hilarious. I I see. I, I'm making. I'm literally making. So I'm on. I'm started intermittent fasting. I'm doing, Which is uh, where you only eat for about an eight-hour period a day, mm-hmm. and you don't eat for those other sixteen hours. Mm. And myself, John, and Blevins, and Tommy Ty were kind of supporting each other in all of this. So it's great. It's good. We were. It's really encouraging so far. But it's like twelve o'clock. I'm like, time to eat. And I'm excited. Sure. I'm making my sandwich. As a, and then I see a phone call from Pittsburgh. I'm like. This can't be a prank call because there's there's only the only people I know in Pittsburgh are like you and Alec and and Nick and Riley. So, anyways, and um, so he phones telling me about this thing he's reading and is there? And it was just it was just a really kind of fun thing. I'm like, oh, I'm making a turkey sandwich, and now we're talking about monophysitism. What is monophysitism? The idea that Jesus only has one nature. So mono, one, mm-hmm. and physis or physis in Greek means nature. So he only has mm-hmm. one nature. So he's either fully God or fully man, but he can't be both at the same time. Uh, that that was the, that, and that's a heresy in the church. We believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so he was asking a question about the preexistence of Jesus' humanity. To, um, and so not that he believes that, uh, but he was just asking for some help and some clarification on the question. And so it was just great. But then as I was making, this is the reason I chose the tweet. I mean, it, it was good to talk to Alec for a bit and everything. But have you seen that that video going around Twitter of Mark Werner making a tuna milk sandwich? I have not. He he puts a lot of mayo on his sandwich. Okay. Okay. So as in the midst of all this, as Alec is calling me and I'm making my sandwich and I'm squirting the mayo onto my bread, that video just comes into my head mm-hmm. of an excessive amount of mayo. And so I just I chose this tweet for all the happy stance moments of the of of the moment itself. So it was just kind of a neat thing. Yeah. How much mayo do you put on your sandwich? None. None. What do you put? I'm not a mayo guy. Do you, what do you put then? Nah, eh, maybe mustard or something. Mustard's fine. No mustard's acceptable. You're not like just yeah. just a butter guy or anything like that. Nah, that, nah. that's too dry. Just the yeah, edge. Okay. Not a mayo guy. Okay. Is that it? Is that you got anything else to say <laughs> about that tweet? That's all you had. I knew you were going to do this. I knew. You and your friends. I that's knew. Cool. I knew you were going to do this. I knew it. Uh, but here, okay. One little, well, okay, fine. I do have something else to say about that. Uh, uh, okay. It's that it's like oh good I am useful as a systematic theologian. That's I mean yes you are in that <laughs> instance that's great all right now, see this is the kind of thing people think priests do all the time make turkey sandwiches and have discussions about heresy yeah but it happens it's a more rare occurrence than people think it is it is exactly. all right uh, this is a tweet from from producer Nick at Papa Shurapa. and he tweets. The priests of Diopit I spoke with were thrilled that confession was no longer suspended this week. They were consequently disappointed when they were left alone without many penitents. So background, um, last weekend, uh, it was like Thursday last week, uh, the bishop said, hey, if you do the drive-through confession thing, you can do confession again. Okay, so we allowed us to have confession again. And so we had a confession. Now, I didn't speak, I don't think I spoke to Nick about this, but indeed, not a whole lot of takers. You know, we had three priests there. We 
had confession for an hour, maybe the first like 22 minutes, there were people kind of showing up. After that, meh, nothing, right? And part of that, I think, was um, just the fact that like we found out <laughs> Thursday that we're allowed to have confession, so we need to advertise it, you know? Um, so maybe people didn't hear about it. But then next week came, and same sort of deal. But the thing is, like, ah, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I wasn't, I really wasn't disappointed. Because hmm. um, disappointment kind of implies that you had certain expectations that weren't met. And to be honest, my expectations weren't terribly high. Because, I mean, if you think about it, some pe- most people in pews do not go to confession more than once a year. This is, I mean, I don't know stats or whatever, but that's, it seems like it. Like, people will go once or twice a year. Why would the, you know, uh, the pandemic and shutdown, you know, make people go to confession more? The fear Maybe of death? You would, yeah. Well, the thing is, like, do, do, I just highly doubt that a lot of people have been taking the time to contemplate their own existence and mortality or have been using the extra time to enter deeply into their faith because I think most people are just either caught up with the anxiety, the brand new anxieties they have in their life, which is understandable, or they're just too busy being angry about the situation to do any sort of interior, mm-hmm. um, you know, reflection. Right. So I was like, eh, I, eh, I don't know. So maybe it's just, or, or, you know, maybe my people finally stop sinning like they said they were going to. So that's, yeah. that, that would be, and it know, could be that, well. I mean, there might be a little, consumeristic side to it of I want to do confession the way I usually like to do it and I, sure. I refuse to change that's yeah. positive that's part of it too maybe but yeah you know it, it is I mean it's like for here my church I again our diocese didn't close all the churches permanently it was up to the discretion of the local pastors and I decided to close my church like like we public masses were done but I chose to close my church and there were a lot of reasons a lot of them logistic that just seemed insurmountable at the time that right. are slowly going to probably be surmountable <laughs> so yeah um but and so we'll probably open up in a few weeks here but um so but one of the things i did let people know is that yeah if, if you want like you can drive up to the side of the parish and um park your car and i'll come outside and just roll down your window a little bit and then i'll just listen to your confession or i'll drive to your house and i'll do the same thing where either way mm-hmm. and it works pretty well you know and some people take advantage of it a lot of people don't and i mean but at the same time i'm like it, it's it is what it is. I'm not disappointed that people aren't asking for it per se, um, and it is kind of it's just I don't know. It's like I think with times like this and like and I mean I, I and I do get it too. Like I think I I get the disappointment side of it, but it's also like we don't know what to expect, so why expect anything? Mm-hmm. And just kind of take what is given. And be happy yeah, with it. I mean, it's it's. Um, I, I really don't mean this to sound like negative or pessimistic or anything. Yeah. But like, um, I think part of you know, how do how do I want to put this? I really don't want to put this in a negative sort of way. It's like uh, uh, people are gonna stay being people. They're gonna stay being. Most people are gonna stay being kind of the average sinners that they are. Mm-hmm. And we fight very hard against genuine repentance we fight very hard even when the lord like throws these like incredible opportunities or terrifying opportunities in front of us um most of us most of the time are going to fight against that and so i'd rather be angry at circumstances and search my heart i'd rather right uh 
you know, watch the news and read my Bible. Like that stuff doesn't change just because there's a crisis. Right. Uh, and so, you know, um, if you're listening to this and you're cranky about what I'm saying, I don't know, prove me wrong. <laughs> I can just see you sitting outside of your parish with all that, what you just said on the sign and just put at the bottom, prove me wrong, <laughs> sipping your coffee. Prove me wrong. Yeah. Or your cool. Come to confession. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is uh, from Celeste at Celeste underscore CC7. Notions of holiness today are often sold through another purchase, another subscription, another consumption. Hardly are we invited into the economy of humble emptiness, where eternity greets us, where the cross is espoused and faith is grown deeply. I thought this is a really good thought. I mean, I know this is stuff that you and I have talked about kind of a little bit privately in a sense, but like uh, the, the kind of consumer side of faith, right? Like we think um, in order to grow in my faith, I need to buy this other book. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can actually understand that one. Uh, but <laughs> Well, that's obvious. Well, right? that's obvious. I mean, <laughs> the why? more books you have, the more faith you have. Exactly. This is, this is how it works. Yeah. No one denies this. No one denies this. Uh, you don't need to read all the books. You just need to look like you read all the books. Um, but or uh, if I go to this conference, my life is going to be changed. And it kind of actually goes into your last point, right? People are people. Yeah, you might have a great week afterwards, but then things get back to normal and you realize you haven't really changed at all. <laughs> and, and, and then we ignore it. And then we think if I and it, it gets down like to this deep idea that if I just buy more things, I can affect the cha- the deep faith I want. And this is not how faith works. Like I, her, I like that phrase, the economy of humble emptiness. That's a, it's a great phrase because if we want to change, I kind of, this actually made my homily this first, for Sunday this, this, this past week. Um, it requires a receptivity that says, God, you are the one who works. Mm-hmm. And I need to empty myself so that you can actually honestly speak to my heart. And only then does grace really begin to work. Um, So we need to stop thinking if I go to these conferences or if I hear this speaker or do this or do these 10 retreats or whatever, we we can't buy holiness. Mm -hmm. We can't buy it. And we, I think, I don't know. I think it's not a bad thing that we can't get to these things right now. I'm not saying they're all bad or anything like that, but I just think it's if we can't be empty, like these, I would say these events are only fruitful insofar as we can be empty mm-hmm. to receive God's grace. And then when we are, we realize we don't need to do as many of them as we probably do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's um, it's an attempt to control or earn our salvation. Uh, away from God, right? That the you know there's there's lots of good ways to uh, pray and lots of good strategies. There's lots of good books and lots of good theology out there, but but redemption, holiness, this thing really consists in standing utterly empty and naked before the all holy God and just dealing with that for a while, and that's what we try so desperately to avoid. Uh, but that's the place of like true transformation mm-hmm. and redemption, just to be who we are completely and utterly before the face of God and to look at him and talk with him and yeah, be with him. Exactly. Like I was preaching, I was preaching today about like the threefold movements of the sheep with the shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. They hear, they know, and they run. 
Yeah. Right. But it starts with hearing. Mm-hmm. Right. And parishes would be better if we would actually start to build build our life around hearing. And I think we need to teach people how to do that, yeah. though. Okay, okay. Yes. It's also a hard thing to teach because... How do I want to say it? Um, we too often think, what are the five steps to perfect contemplation? Mm-hmm. But here's the problem with any of these purely pragmatic approaches. And I think this is perhaps the one of the biggest obstacles the heart of contemplation is that it's based on God's absolute freedom, mm-hmm. which means there's nothing you can do to coax him to show himself to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it sounds simple, but the only step you need to take is a faithful, patient waiting and open heart. And then you just wait until the Lord deigns it's the right time. Yeah. But I, I think like that's that something... <laughs> Right, right, right. But that's something that can be taught, though. That can be taught through um, modeling it for others. Yep. Like, yeah. We we do have these church buildings that have the Eucharist in them. Yeah. You know, we do have these opportunities. Like, okay, I can I can help provide you a space while you wait for God. I can wait with you, and you can see that happening. You know. Yeah. Um. I think. I I I, I mean, this might be a whole other episode or something, but. Our parishes should be should be schools of prayer, and then often they seem like they're everything except that. Yes, yeah. This is my homily today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is my homily today. Yes, yes. No, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, exactly. And, and like it's something that's been hitting. I'll share a little bit what I shared in my homily this morning. It's been a bit like how how the Lord's been molding my heart as a priest in this time, and it's been I don't know why. Um. But it's been a really interesting experience these last six weeks. And what the Lord's really been showing me, and I mean, he put little hints of this in my heart beforehand, but that my job as a spiritual father is, I mean, part of it is we've we've put the analogy of spiritual fatherhood too much with biological fatherhood, not mm-hmm. towards God's fatherhood, which is ultimately a spiritual solution. Mm-hmm. And so we as priests, like our primary job is prayer and sacraments. And yes, there's administration and it needs to happen. It doesn't sound very servant leader of you. It's actually the biggest servant leader because it means I'm mod, but it means I need to be in the church showing people what prayer Mm -hmm. looks like. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And I need to be in there probably a couple hours a day outside of my normal sacrament time. Mm-hmm. And I, but also I need to be there not just for them to see but also like to trust God to show them in the hidden ways through my openness of heart to let him work the graces he wants to work in my parish through me in an invisible way that needs to happen in that quiet prayer as well um, and here's the thing like I this, this is my thing this is why like, I'm also like hopeful because we can't really do programs for the next year. I mean, and not in the same way, probably. <laughs> no, we aren't have to slow down. But that's good because now it gives us an opportunity to listen. Mm-hmm. And we need to build our parish models around this. It's like too much. Like we we don't need to like this activism is not healthy. 
It's destroyed us. And it's time to say, to recognize the judgment against activism. And I'm not trying to, like, I'm not saying a quietism where you don't do anything. And it's like, not, I'm not right. saying the priest is just sitting in the church all day either. But like, and then at the, add to this then, the laity, I pray, will discover the dignity of their baptism. Mm-hmm. Which means, guess what? Because you're baptized, you're an icon of Christ to the world. Father doesn't need to be at every single parish activity because he's the priest. You, by virtue of your baptism, make Christ present. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying priests shouldn't be at these things, but I'm just saying we need to, like, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I, I know it sounds a little scattered because I'm, I'm still kind of praying over this, but these are like the, the, the roads I'm starting to go down. Yeah. And it's, 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 um, hmm. Yeah, the, the, even the thing of like the the priest being everything, like the the priest in a special way does make Christ present to the people mm-hmm. in a way that you know the ordinary baptized does not. Right. But I think what sometimes would wear a priest down is that it sometimes can feel like all he's doing is being almost a mascot for the church. Exactly. 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 You know, uh, and it's because if the only thing the parish is doing are these activities. I think it kind of empties a priest. Yeah. Um, whether he realizes it or not. Um, this is good. I've been reading some things on this as well. Um, let's, let's put a, let's pause here and, yes. and come back to this Maybe later. this could be a, a, an, our next topic or something. We'll see. Maybe. Let's we'll see. You're going, you're going to be praying for a whole week. For five you? days. Um, that's mm-hmm. why we're recording on Sunday. Cause tomorrow I'm going on, my our priest retreat got canceled, so I've decided to organize one for myself with Cardinal Sarah as my retreat guide. In this, in a book, not an actual. <laughs> I'm going to read his. Like, oh, really? <laughs> I'm reading his book on silence uh, for the retreat. Whoa. So, I, which is an appropriate How book for this time. Apropos. Yes. All right, all right. We're going to talk about something that we both uh, really agree on in presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for. Presbyteral exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Yes. Quite. Yes. We both agree that swing dancing <laughs> is the worst. I was going to say, oh, you beat me to except the opposite. No. no. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, sorry, it's too easy. You had okay, okay. the last word. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're the one who said. Uh, actually, we both decided I'm, I'm leading on this one. Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm just a jerk. That's just all this boils down to. Um, <laughs> but even though I'm a jerk, Father Harrison, there's still hope, is there not? There's always hope. Mm, we're gonna talk about hope. Excellent. Um, and uh, drawing heavily from the encyclical uh, from Benedict the Sixteenth, Saved in Hope or a space salve. But I want to start with a question. And I, I feel like I've asked you this question before, uh, Father Harrison, on the podcast. Um, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Father Harrison, are you saved? Um, how do I... Yeah, I think you've asked me this before. I uh, know, but I want you to answer it again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because we've had like 90 episodes. I forget what we've done. It's, 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 I'm going to be that annoying. It's a yes and no answer. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, I am... I am configured to Christ by the virtue of baptism, but then it is up to my cooperation with this, that saving grace over the course of my life 
to allow that saving work to take hold of me completely so that I can end up with Jesus forever in heaven. Mm-hmm. Now that question, which isn't a definitive yes, does it, does it make you anxious? No. Like that you can't just say yes. To be honest, no. Mm-hmm. And I were, if anything, I'm anxious by the fact that I'm not anxious. Oh, really? If that makes sense. Maybe. And it's not like a, it's not like a felt anxiety. It's just more like, am I not taking my, you know, yeah, it's a question. Do I not take my, my cooperation with grace seriously enough? The thing is, I th- I think it's good not to be anxious about that question. Right? No, I know. I just, no, I'm just saying, like, it's just, or maybe yeah. not anxiety, but it's just it's a it's a doubt that lingers in my head. Sure, sure. Um, but the thing is, okay. So backing up, the reason for this questioning is that that whole like thing, like, am I saved or am I not saved? I, in thinking about that that question, uh, I feel like it's an attempt to wrestle away salvation from God. It's um, it's a refusal to enter into the mystery of God. I don't care so much about... It feels like you don't care so much about the reality of God. You only care about whether or not I'm saved. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, uh, the reason why I don't think we should be anxious in a... Uh, psychological sense and you know in right. a like yeah yeah we should be concerned in the sense that this is an important sort of thing right you know it's kind of uh like the fear of god doesn't mean that we like run away from god it's that we take him seriously because he's god right, right? it's like our eternal destiny is the most important question of our life because if it's not it's a it, big deal well because if it's not true then non- nothing matters right right that's different than a kind of like the anxiety that you know most of us feel when like there's a paper due or when we have a test coming up and we're or not sure if we're emails, pass or, or fail. emails to answer or emails you know um uh or like before you give a big homily or something are people going to like me or whatever 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 give me stuff that we do to ourselves all the time right yeah okay uh like i think it's good not to have that kind of anxiety yeah um because and then the other reason why that bothers, that question bothers me, are you saved or are you not saved? I think it, it kills the the virtue and the gift of hope. Because mm-hmm. you no longer need hope. Hope's no longer a thing if you're just like, yes, boom, I'm saved, no worries. Like that's, there's something that you're removing from the Christian faith there. Uh, and I think that the, the, the struggle for that answer, that... Um, you know, I want to say yes for sure. I'm saved, and that's it. And the end uh, is ultimately not trusting in what. Uh, no, weird way I feel like it's not trusting what God has done for us. Right. Because I have to grab that answer for myself. Right. I can't enter into the mystery of God. Right. I hope that made sense. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but the this whole relationship between faith and hope, uh, it's. It's always been confusing to me. Like, what is, what's the difference between faith and hope? Mm-hmm. And then, so I was, I, you know, I've been delighted <laughs> and then you when read, I've read this. you read Space Alvy, and you're like, well, they're really two sides of the same coin. <laughs> exactly. So it sounds a little <laughs> bit confusing to you. This is okay. <laughs> they're very closely related. Okay. Um, let's, let's just uh, take a little bit for a minute here. According to the Christian faith, redemption, salvation, is not simply a given. Redemption is offered to us in the sense that we have been given hope. So we are redeemed. We are saved. Mm-hmm. In the sense that we have been given hope. Exactly. 
Trustworthy hope, by virtue of which we can face our present. The present, even if arduous, 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 arduous. Why can I say that word? The present, even if really tough, can be lived and accepted if it leads towards a goal. If we can be sure of this goal, and if this goal is great enough to justify the effort of the journey. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the idea is that, like, um, we are not anxious in the moment because of this thing that we know is going to be given to us in the future. Yes. Okay. That's the hope. And the relation between faith and hope is we can have hope because we kind of have um, the seed of what we're going to be given right now because of faith. Right. And so this is a, and this is important. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm also just looking on my bookshelf to see if I can find my copy of it because I don't have it in front of me. Um, I, what's important here is, is the way he talks about hope there. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not wishful thinking. No. Right. Once it's, I oh, know it's not good. Okay. Um, it's very tiny. So you couldn't see the well, spine. Of there's it. different publication copies, okay. but I've just got, no, I don't have it. Um, uh, so it's, it's rather, it's saying, I know that this is a reality that's true, even though I'm not in it yet. It's like looking, it's like saying, I know that, it, I mean, to use a very earthly analogy, it's like saying, I know that Disneyland exists, even though I've never been there yet, but I know I'm going to go there next year or something like that. Like in the sense of mm-hmm. like, I know the destination and I know it's real, even though I haven't experienced it fully with my my own eyes. The difference between with that though, is that faith actually opens up. It starts the experience, if you will, of our eternal goal now mm-hmm. and starts to make it more concrete for us and more real so that we can start to see that that reality to which, towards which we are orienting ourselves is is actually it becomes more real and so hope for the christian it's not like it's like it's not like in the phrase of like i hope i win the lottery one day mm-hmm. right no that's wishful thinking that's 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 different than hope hope is saying it's actually based in something very real and if we can start to comprehend that then we start to see just the radicalness of hope and how different it different it is from the worldly sense of hope right um and it's it's uh, how do I want to say this? Uh, um, Benedict talks about hope as uh, not something just informative, but performative. Yes. So, like, the gospel is not just information. The gospel is something that does something to us. Mm-hmm. So, it's one thing to be like, you can tell someone, like, oh, hey, Jesus died for your sins and stuff. Yeah. That's That's information, and that's true, and that's a part of the gospel, but that's not the entirety of the gospel because the gospel actually does something to us. So when we, Oh, you go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead finish your point. Finish your so point. So when you are given, when you're given, when you're given faith, when you're given faith through baptism and an exercise of that faith as well, then all of a sudden that changes who you are. Yeah, exactly. So I was just going to think of a story. I remember, um, I was visiting a friend in Seattle once a long time ago, a swing dancing friend. Um, and uh, we were walking downtown, and there was some fundamentalist Christians downtown. And it was around Thanksgiving time, and there was a sign outside. One of them was carrying a sign that said, uh, um, saying something around, oh, yeah, Thanksgiving means thanking God that you're not dead, dot, 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 yet. 
and yeah, it was really weird stuff. Yeah, and then it is weird. And my friend, she pointed out one of the people in the group. She goes, "You see that person over there?" I said, "Yep." She goes, "They've done that, that with this church for years, but last year that person willingly and knowingly stole money from um, a nonprofit organization, and though no one caught them, everyone like everyone knows, and they saw the evidence, and they're kicked out of leadership in that group because of it, and and they say they're a Christian, mm-hmm. and." And I always thought that, but that was interesting because a fundamentalist approach to faith, which says, yes, I'm saved, actually is nothing's actually performative, right? It's just informative. It's, or to use different, I think more technical techno- uh, terminology, it's, it's forensic faith, which means I've been declared to be saved. And that's, that's all I need to know. It's... Mm-hmm. But it actually hasn't done anything. It hasn't transformed me. And this is actually a big difference between Catholics and a lot of Protestants. It's yeah. it's this idea that uh, for a lot of Protestants, and I know we probably have we have some listeners, and God bless you. I'm not, and I know it's not the case for all, but for right. some of them, it's faith is acknowledge. Like I, it's something declared to me that I'm saved. Yes. For the Catholic, it's it goes deeper than that. It says I'm going to transform you, and. One of the reasons I've never been able to discount the Catholic vision is the forensic view seems a very cheap, like it seems like a very impotent view of God. Yes. Oh, yeah, you're, but like it doesn't change you? <laughs> yeah, because it's, 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 it's a God who kind of like signs a check for you. Um, yeah. It's a God who, um, who doesn't, it's a very unincarnational God. Like the whole thing about like our redemption and our incarnation, our uh, of Christ's incarnation, is that He entered deeply into the world and He experienced suffering, experienced the effects of sin and death. Mm-hmm. And that kind of God wants to transform you. He doesn't want to be like, oh, don't. It's just all nothing now. It's it's something that's more uh, tactile mm-hmm. in the um, redemption. If that makes sense. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So that was just a little aside but i think it's it is it, that helps us understand like hope is not it, it is it, it's part of this whole performative sense of faith mm-hmm. but it's not us performing it's actually god performing on us right yeah uh, uh and, and Bendy talks about uh the example of josephine uh Bikita, yep. who was canonized by john paul ii yeah and the short version of her story is that you know she was sold into slavery was you know treated horribly um was beaten daily uh, eventually gets sold to a merchant in Venice and through being in, around that area, um, learns about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And this utterly transforms her life. Not not necessarily the exterior, she remains a slave, uh, but it transforms the interior of her life. Mm-hmm. And she, this is a quote from her, I am definitively loved and whatever happens to me, I am awaited by this love. And so my life is good. Mm-hmm. I think that quote really sums up the transformative power of hope because she knows she's love. So she's got that, that faith mm-hmm. and she knows she's awaited by love. Mm-hmm. She has hope. Her life is different. Yes. She's at peace. And she even has this like missionary impulse. Like she has to tell everyone else about this thing. That's a life that's been transformed by the gospel. Exactly. And, and it's, it's that, like you said, it's that twofold thing. It's, it's the reality. I am loved and it's the hope I'm going, like hope is saying that what is happening to me today is going to continue to happen into the future. That, mm-hmm. that what I experience in faith now, what I, or, and not just experience, like it's not just a felt thing. It's something like when I talk about experience, it's something deeper and often we're not even aware of it. Um, what I experience now, that's going to continue and God isn't going to abandon me in any of this. 
I am really loved. And that love is so powerful because of the resurrection. Like it's it's Romans chapter eight, right? For I'm convinced that neither mm-hmm. death nor life nor principalities nor things above nor things below nor he- you know and the whole litany of things can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from Him, and that's a reality today. That's been a reality in my past, and that's a reality going forward. Yeah, and so let's let's talk about that that reality going forward because there's. Uh, the faith that we have now and the hope that we look forward to, they're very similar and very related, but they are a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, because the thing that we, we hope for is eternal life. Mm-hmm. The, the completion of the redemption of all things. And this is the big um, already, but not yet. Uh, so I think Christians have experienced a little bit of eternal life. I think that's, you know, yeah. the... Um, uh, the way we commonly say, like, you know, have you been saved? And when people mean that in a genuine sort of like, is your life, has your life been changed? Yeah. Um, or, uh, what am I, what am I looking? Uh, oh, uh, like when people talk about baptism, um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. That's what I was looking yeah. for. They're using words to try to explain something like, have you, has, has the faith become something that's um, performative and not just informative, right? Right. Uh, and we have moments of this uh, moments where we kind of taste a little bit eternal life, like moments in prayer or moments maybe when we go to mass, where it's like, oh, this is the life that I've been searching for. Yeah, but we only get glimpses of it. Exactly, because most of the time stuff is kind of lame. Yeah, because we're fallen like, creatures. Most, like we're fallen creatures, and a lot of life is toil and turmoil yeah. and sickness and death. Like we're still walking through the valley. Uh, of death and all this, yeah. right? Uh, but the way that Benedict talks about eternal life, I think is really helpful because I, I might have shared this before earlier on the podcast uh, that sometimes the idea of eternal life can be kind of troubling or the idea of eternal life to us is not attractive. Like when people think about heaven or eternal life, maybe they're thinking about the cartoons where you're up in the clouds for forever and you have a harp and you have wings and blah, blah, blah. And if you really think about that, that's not a very appealing sort of way to live. No. Or if you think about just like, yeah, would we like to live for a long time? Yeah. But if someone really thinks about that and meditates it about it in a serious sort of way, like that's not great either. Just it's the, the last episode of The Good Place. I haven't seen the last season. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If once it comes out on Amazon, I'll buy it. I promise. I promise. I promise. I need a, I need a cross so I can start waving at you and judging you. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but this is part of the concept of the last season. Without ruining it too much, um, yeah, it's this idea that heaven's just one big long happy place that you get to fulfill all your pleasure pleasure desires, and that gets boring after a while. Because it still feels like deep down inside something's missing. Exactly. And and, and Ben talks about this as far as like there's lots of little hopes in our life, right? And these aren't bad things. These are things that kind of get us through day to day. Like when we're younger, like I hope I get a good job or I hope I find the right person uh, to marry or I hope whatever else. But then when we get those things, they're good, but there's still something missing. There's still something not there. There's still the unsatisfaction. And so we are not quite sure what eternal life is, but we know it has to be more than this. Right. Right. 
and then and this is and like you said we yeah. but we still and we still get tastes of it in this life right right so that's what gives us the sure knowledge of what we are orienting ourselves towards mm-hmm. uh so basically what that like eternal life is or what that like the the goodness we're looking for or uh that uh, happiness we're looking for or the meaning or the purpose or the thousand different ways we describe this thing what it actually just boils down to is god Mm -hmm. it's god and so now you can i think that that really clarifies how faith and hope are related Mm -hmm. like yes we do have god now you know christ has become incarnate he has you know uh, through his suffering, death, resurrection, ascension into heaven, he's like we we have that, mm-hmm. and we can enter deeply into that moment in a hidden way, but in a real way, at the mass, mm-hmm. and we know that's good, but we're still waiting for the completion of that. Right. There will be no mass. I mean, there'll be no mass as it is now in heaven. Right. Because the one eternal mass is always in heaven. That's why, actually, I remember I said this once at, at, at Mass, and so I said, you know, if we're bored at Mass, um, I got bad news for you. <laughs> <laughs> because um, this is this is meant to be a foretaste of heaven. Because this is the place, this is literally the place where heaven and earth touch each other. Like, that's crazy. Um, and, and so we got to, but it's it's just a taste. Right, and and I think very often we won't have an ex- a an experience of that taste because of the hidden nature of what we go through now. And we're fallen creatures. It has nothing to do with our physicalness. Right. It has everything to do with our corruption. Right. So like, don't don't get too bummed out if like the last few masses you went to before everything got shut down were kind of like uh lame. Or yeah. don't get bummed out if like you're too busy like literally wrestling your kids in the pews and stuff and like oh I didn't experience four days of heaven. Like it's it's okay. Yeah. So we're, we're not saying that like if you haven't experienced that you're not gonna like heaven or something like that. That's not what well, we're saying. Yeah, and but like at the same time, I guess it's about just recognizing that. In faith, I know that this is the most important thing of my life when I'm here, mm-hmm. when I'm here, and when we're able to be back together with it all and everything, too. Um, so, again, it's not like when we go to mass, for example, it's not what you get out of it. It's not what you put into it. It's not what you put into it. Um, I mean, the best thing, you can, the only thing you can really put into it is is your preparedness. And, like, and, and, again, sometimes that's limited, especially when you're wrestling with kids in the pews and stuff. But... The whole point, like when we, like the Second Vatican Council talks in Sacrosanctum Concilium talks about uh, active or actual participation. It's not talking about having to do things at the Mass, but it's actually having a heart open to let God's performative work do its thing in us to bring the church together. This is the whole point and purpose of the Mass. Um, right. So your participation, if you're going, like, hey, and guess what? If you're showing up, there is something in you that says, I want God to work in me. And that's a good thing. So, like, you're already on the right path. <laughs> yeah. And so, I, there's a lot more to say about this, yeah. but I just want to say one more thing as we're wrapping up here, is that I feel like the 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 biggest thing that gets in the way of having hope for eternal life or experiencing the transformative nature of that hope is that far too often we try to build up a paradise here on earth mm-hmm. that we feel that we fall into this trap which most of our culture has 
that if we just fix things now, we'll be okay. Yeah, it's a lie. If we just find it is a lie. Because and Ben talks about this, like there's always no matter like it's very important to change bad structures in our world, right? Yep. If there are things we can do to make people more free, to make society more just, like yeah, we should strive to do those things. But we should never expect human beings to stop being human beings. Right. We should never expect sin to disappear just because we remove structures of sin. Right. Because sin ultimately comes from the human heart. Yeah. And the human heart isn't can't be changed from the outside. Hope gives us the ability to see reality as it really is, mm-hmm. right? So that means it's, there's like a realism to it all. So it says we can do what we can, but we also recognize that evil is still at play in the world. I mean, the whole point of the book of one of the whole one of the points I should say of the book of Revelation is to show like right. evil is going to be at play, and it's going to be only intensified. Like the closer we get to God, the closer evil is going to intensify itself, mm-hmm. so, or the more evil is going to intensify itself. So, um, right, it, we. Hope helps you see that reality because, but hope says, yeah, but remember the cross and all this. So when evil comes your way, don't worry because God is here and he's here even mysteriously. And this is the really hard thing for people to understand sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's weird to say, but he's here through the evil in the sense that how we respond to it, if we respond to it in a crucified way, helps us to see that God, this is God's ultimate triumph that says this Mm -hmm. evil thing cannot destroy. Right. And the the little crosses in your life increase the hope that through the bigger sufferings, God can work through those as well. Right. Sometimes we forget how just in a personal sort of way, all the ways in which God has triumphed in their life, even through darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes we, you know, we we haven't seen that at all yet, and that's because we still need a lot more healing and mm-hmm. meditating, and, and you know, okay, so that, that can happen as well. But uh, even that can increase our hope. So I think the reason why I wanted to talk about this a little bit is that what has happened recently is that once again, the idea that we can build an earthly kingdom, that we can control the forces of nature, that we, that that this once we again can has build been the city of God. Right, we can build the city of God. Um, uh, that we can do that on Earth has once again been shattered, and I think a lot of people haven't realized how much false hope they placed in a worldly promise. Mm-hmm. And we need to remind ourselves through prayer, through reading of the Gospels, um, through making spiritual communion, to reconnect to the true hope that changes our life even now. Exactly. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Can I share a? Quote. I'm gonna show. Oh, I'm, I'm not gonna ask permission. I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> I was gonna. I absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, it was. I was say no. I, I may have shared it before on the podcast, but is it's, it about swing dancing? No. In that case, go ahead. Uh, Saint Bernadette Subaru. After she had all these visions of Mary, um, the idea of a religious vocation started to enter her heart, and she struggled with it actually, which is really quite amazing when you think about it. You've seen the Blessed Virgin. And you're still like, oh, this religious life thing, eh, it shows you. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's really quite, it, it, it's, it's quite beautiful in so many ways. Anyways, uh, Mary made a little appearance to her in a motherly way and said, listen, my dear, my darling, my sweetheart, I cannot promise you happiness in, in this life. 
but I can promise it you in the next. And I've always loved that realism. We have to stop looking for happiness in this world. We have to realize like, like it's, this is a veil of tears mm-hmm. and it's going to be, but it's through that veil that that's where Christ, that's the place Christ works. And we keep on running away from that. This is why I keep on saying, like, we got to rediscover the cross because we're not going to be happy in this life always. I mean, there's going to be happiness. I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying Christianity is, like, uh, this drudgery of life, per se, but it's just saying, it's rather just recognizing that this is not a place of security because death and corruption and sin have dominion here still. And until Christ comes again, they're going to continue to reign. And it's up to us to reign that in as a church through our conversion to holiness to make the visible hope, that hope visible to the world. We have to embody the hope, Mm -hmm. right? And only when you embody it can you, uh, can people say, wait, I want that. I want that. That's our mission. Good. I like it. Cool. All right, people. Um, um, thank you for listening. Please leave a review on, on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me uh, at Forte Catholic. Check out Forte Catholic, the podcast, the streaming, the YouTube. Sometimes I'm on there. You can find me at Fr Harrison, except for this Monday to Friday. No Acedia tweets, folks, from Monday to Friday. No streaming of Mass from Monday to Friday. You can't find me anywhere from Monday to Friday this week. By the time, no, actually, no wait. Pressure. Well, here's the thing, though. Okay. By the time this actually drops, it won't matter. So I just realized right. that. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and, and no pressure, because I want you to focus on, like, God and silence and blah, 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 blah. But, like, really expecting a super spiritual podcast for next week. I might just sit down for the entire hour. I know this might be... This might, seem impossible to you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but after since i'm reading carnal sarah's book i might just sit here in silence for the entire hour i think if this podcast has proved anything it, i can get you to yell about something if i try hard enough <laughs> <laughs> contact the podcast and receive updates at clerical plot on twitter find us on facebook or email us at clerically speaking at gmail.com peace god bless